The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. At least happy Friday to those of you tuning in live. We're glad to have you joining us. I am Anthony Cazenza, flanked by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. John, you getting ready for the big weekend ahead? I don't know if there is a big weekend ahead, but are you going to make it a big weekend, I guess? I'm going to travel 100 miles north, 71, to good old Columbus. So got got that going for us. But it's sunny in Cincinnati, it's sunny. I'm assuming in Los Angeles, this is a good day all around. Yeah, it's it's a little warm today, a little warmer than usual, but it's kind of humid because I think we're actually going to get some scheduled to maybe get some rain this weekend. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, overall, pretty pretty mild where I'm at. Happy to have everyone with us. If you're joining us live, you can uh, join us live through CincyJungle.com, the the embedded YouTube video, which is obviously part of our channel, so you can join us that way or on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Shoot us a question. We've got some already queued up. Uh, You can get those questions to us. Call or text at 949-542-6241. Give us a call or text. You can um, email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. You can tweet us at banglesobi, or you can leave your question in the live chats within either the YouTube channel, the comment thread on Cincy Jungle, or... If you're joining us on Facebook, we're monitoring those. John, let's start off with a text from Derek, uh, 740 area code. He said he basically is asking, what's, what is the likelihood of the Bengals signing another veteran quarterback to the team to back up, Joe, assuming Joe Burrow's the pick and assuming Andy Dalton is traded, what are the chances that the Bengals bring in a veteran quarterback probably cheaper than what they would be paying Andy Dalton. Um, I think it's pretty high likelihood, but your, your, your thoughts. Moderately high, primarily because the quarterbacks that are going to be on the market. It's more than just the guys like Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers, the guys who are more notable and starter worthy. Uh, Zach Taylor had experience with Matt Moore down in Miami. He's going to be a free agent. He's now backing up Patrick Mahomes at Kansas City. 
he worked with Sean Mannion, who's Kirk Cousins' backup in Minnesota. He's also going to be on the market. I think Marcus Marriott also makes a lot of sense as a guy with, with starting experience and would fit in a system that uh, he ran under, um, I believe, Matt LaFleur, who was the, the offensive coordinator for the Titans before he became the Packers head coach. But he worked with Taylor for a year in Los Angeles. So there's a couple of guys going on the market that have experience with Taylor and the system that he's going to run, and it wouldn't cost very much. So I think it, it is moderately high based off who was entering the market. I do too. Uh, you know, I, it, it, the, and I think it's a smart move because, you know, you you then have Joe Burrow, you have Ryan Finley, who's only a second year guy with limited starts. You need to bring in that experience. You need to have some sort of experienced guy and a guy that fits the system. Obviously, it has to be something that's affordable because if you're going to sh- shed Andy Dalton's contract off the books, save quite a bit of money from that. Um, you know, you would hope that that money would be used at other positions of need, you know, linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, that sort of thing. And, and you, you know, you're not really just reinvesting a, a bulk of that money into another player that may or may not play for you. So that's that's kind of where, where I'm at with it. I think it's a smart move if it's financially savvy. I think it may, then, you know, then it even looks even more like a smart move. But, uh, you know, for me, I think a vet a vet quarterback is possible. It just depends who it is, what they're going to be coming here or to Cincinnati for. And then, obviously, you know, you've got a veteran presence with a couple of young guys in the quarterback room. Where do you want to go next? I was going to go to the comments section from Adrian Vallejo. He's asking, is Alex Erickson a potential cut candidate given the emergence of Brandon, Brandon Wilson? Um, I would say yes, but not necessarily just because of Wilson. I think he's on the chopping block in general because I think there's, you know, he he's, doesn't really give them much of the, as a receiver, and there's a lot of talent in this receiver class, and you have to assume that with the uncertainty of John Ross and A.J. Green, they're going to be investing in that position, and there's going to be some competition with the lower half of that depth chart in general. Uh, I think Erickson saw his value as a palm returner, which is an area that I don't think they exactly trust Wilson um, completely as much as they do as a kick returner. So there's still a spot for Erickson as a pump returner, but I think as a receiver, he could be seeing some heat based off of who they draft in, in this year's draft from this very talented wide receiver class. Yeah, it's been a weird kind of situation with Erickson and the, the Bengals. I mean, he, as a rookie, was one of the, the leading, what was it, kickoff return guys or punt return guys in the league in terms of average. And then you know, he kind of fall, fell off the map a little bit in his second year. And then coming into this offseason, there were some trade rumors that other teams wanted him. Yet Zach Taylor, you know, s- some of the rumor mills stuff had him thinking that he could be a Cooper Cup-like guy for the Bengals. That never happened. Then you got him kind of being outshined in the return game by a couple of different guys, Phillips and Wilson. So when you're not really exciting as a receiver, you know, you're not, you're not the deep threat guy. You're not, you know, uh, you know, an animal in that regard. And then you're getting outshined in what was your primary reason for being on the team as a return man. Then you're kind of saying, well, he might be on the outside looking in this draft. I think you mentioned it, John, this draft is ripe with wide receiver talent into day three. So, I think, he, I think he could be. He could be a guy they look at as, uh, you know, outside looking in, especially if Auden Tate stays healthy and uh, ends up being kind of a contributor. Same with John Ross. And if they keep A.J. Green around, you know, they've got some tough decisions to make there. But I think that's – Erickson could be a guy they look at maybe getting rid of this offseason. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to be here for maybe another 10 or so minutes 
taking your questions. We've got some already. Call or text us 949-542-6241. You can leave your comments in the comment section on the post in cincyjungle.com or in the live chats via Facebook or YouTube. We'll be scanning those. You can tweet them at us at BanglesOBI, email theobinsider at gmail.com. If you're unable to join us live, get our show on any number of platforms. You know them. By now, we say them every episode, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, really wherever you get your audio stuff. Or you can get the videos on YouTube on our channel. Subscribe to all of those to be notified when we go live, when new material is up, and all of that. And by the way, before we get to our next question, just a tip of the cap to my co-host, John Sheeran. If you had not seen or heard the interview he had with Austin Gale at Pro Football Focus, um, very good stuff, very insightful interview, and that is now up on all of our platforms. So I assume that was probably a pretty fun experience, right, John? That was a lot of fun going going into PFF. Austin Gale is a great guy. I met him down in Alabama, and he was a very insightful, very open interview, much more open in comparison to Duke Tobin. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, let's go to uh, a text from 513. Um is AJ more prone to sign a long-term deal now that they seem to be bringing in a, an exciting quarterback and Joe Burrow in, do you think that that is playing any part of it? I'll let you go first. Uh, Well, I I think green's stance has always been positive in terms of his relationship with Andy Dalton. So I'm I'm not exactly, I don't think it's a difference between having an an objective upgrade over Dalton or just keeping Dalton in general. I think it's always been about just making sure that he gets one last contract before he he ends up, you know, falling off after the prime of his career. I think that financial stability is what he cares about. And also being with the same team for his entire career, having that Larry Fitzgerald type career arc, that's always been important to him as well. I think it is a factor that you have to consider, but you know we're, we're getting a lot of questions about AJ Green today. Like, is he going to sign his tag? How long is that extension going to be? I think, r- regardless of their plans at quarterback, I think the plan was to um, put put the franchise tag on him if they can't get a deal done by the time free agency um, opens. He's going to sign that tag. He said that he's going to sign that tag. He's willing to play on that tag, even if he's that's not his preference. But I think they're going to work on an extension throughout the summer. And I believe July fifteenth is the deadline for them to get that extension done. So I think that is the the set of events that's going to take place regardless of the quarter, what happens at the quarterback position. I that's where I was kind of going to preface before I let you go first in terms of the relationship aspect between AJ Green and Andy Dalton. I think on the surface and from what we can tell, things seem to be pretty solid there, but you know, the cynic may sit here and and think about, you know, is is Green secretly wondering what his numbers could have been if maybe there was a premier talent at quarterback and, and, you know, we know Andy Dalton's inconsistencies with the long ball and how there were a number of big plays, especially in high profile games that were missed in terms of long balls. I I think back to the Texans playoff game and others um, where, you know, AJ green could have made an impact not only on his own statistics, but in terms of wins and losses and it didn't happen because of maybe a poor throw here or there. Again, we're not going to go into the Dalton bashing thing, but I, I don't. I don't think necessarily it's the quarterback that's that's playing into this. I think it's getting the right contract, getting a, a respectable amount of money, and the team showing him the respect as being one of the top players at his position, even at this point in his career, and even with the injuries. I think it's about the money. I think it's about the security. 
I mean, he said, I have, I have a lot of money. I don't need the money, but I think it's, it's a respect thing. I think it's also, he's comfortable in Cincinnati. He has made it known that he wants to stay in Cincinnati. At least he said that publicly. So I think if the contract's there, he'll, he'll be there. I think if both sides commit to it, he'll be there. I just personally would like to see him rebound in a big way in 2020, just because of what he's had to endure injury wise the past couple of years. And, you know, he's just dying on the inside, not being able to contribute. I don't think the quarterback has much to do with it as much as the contract. I think, I think the quarterback and, and potential elite signal caller is more icing on the cake for AJ Green in, in terms of him staying in Cincinnati. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where do you want to go next, John? Going back to the comic section here, we had a couple of questions about this. Um, I'm going to read off the one from Jeremy Hall because it's a little shorter. How much does the current league-wide quarterback shuffle diminish Dalton's trade value? I think that's a good question um, because this because most of the quarterbacks are going to be on expiring contracts and they're going to be entering free agency. And you have situations like Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, guys who are going to be making, who are going to be making a lot more than what Andy Dalton's going to be making. I think that plays in the Bengals' favor because they can ship off Dalton to a team that's not looking to spend a lot on a quarterback, but looking for some type of a bridge option, or maybe someone who can, can, can compete with the underwhelming starter that they have now. Obviously, the Bears are a, a, a team that fits that very well, but I think the affordability of Dalton, the fact that they, they don't have to commit a bunch of real cash for, for a year to get his services, I think that still works in their favor, even though there's a lot of talent at the quarterback position entering the market this year. Yeah, let's... Uh... Gosh, there's a lot of stuff to get to in in terms of the questions in here. Um, So someone had asked, I'm looking, oh, here we go. Tony Torrance in the live Facebook uh, chat. Could we pick up a tight end in the draft? How how likely do you think that's going to be, John? I, I tend to think, you know, Eifert is an impending free agent. I think they'd like to keep him, but... I, that contract has to make sense, especially from the Bengals side of the table. You got CJ Uzama in the fold. You drafted your sample in the second round last year. And there's just kind of a lot of moving parts and, and the ones that you, that aren't moving, you're kind of, uh, you know, are you overly enamored with? I don't know. I like CJ Uzama, but I don't think he lived up to maybe some of his contract that he had that he signed last year. I could see him maybe day three, if there's a value guy there going after a guy to help out your rookie quarterback. Right. And it depends on, I think how many picks that they have. Cause I think we both believe that they're going to end up with more than seven. And if they only have seven, you would like to think that they would prioritize other positions over a tight end because the tight end position doesn't have a lot of value in the offense that Zach Taylor wants to run. And you're, and again, you're going to have Uzoma, you're going to have Drew sample, hopefully in a, in a more expanded role. If, under the assumption that Tyler Eifert is gone. So you think Carter's still going to probably be around because they're going to tender his option as a restricted free agent. And then you have guys like Mason Shrek and Jordan Franks. So you can basically round out the roster. So the guy that you would bring in would be nothing more than like a third or fourth option, which I guess was Drew Sample last year. And a day three pick on that would be much better value than drafting him in the second round. So if they have more picks, I can definitely see it as something that they can afford to do, but I wouldn't like bank on it or write it in Sharpie. 
Yeah, Kenny Morris's weak draft for tight end this year. Keep Eifert. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. I also wouldn't be opposed to bringing in Thaddeus Moss, just a guy that seems to be Joe Burrow's best friend. They were roommates in college, and obviously they have a good rapport. If the value's there, Austin Trances, do you think Sample will have a bigger role in year two? I mean, short answer, it's hard to say. It's hard to see why he wouldn't based on how little he contributed last year. So it's just mm-hmm. the, it's just more about the the actual leap and how they involve him. I'd like to see him in kind of an H-back role, a little bit of what they did with Ryan Hewitt and coming out of the backfield. That's what I'd like to see. Um, we're going to be here for a few more minutes and then uh, get on out of here. There was one here, John. I got to see who it was who asked it, but it was – uh, Sterling Sherwood in the Facebook chat. I thought this was interesting and we didn't get to this on the weekly show. Did you, did you all talk about the new playoffs? Um, so the format and some of the rule changes and stuff, uh, you know, what are some of your thoughts on some of the things that have been coming out lately? It, it, it ultimately it's, it's two extra games to, for, for consumers. It's good because it's just more football. Um, I, I think that for the most part, the the seven seeds that would have gotten in in the past 10 or so years i don't think they would have probably been able to compete with the two seeds that they would have had to play so i don't think it would have changed it that much but it adds a, an extra variable of randomness at least in the wild card round but unfortunately it does basically make the the one seeds the ultimate value because they're the only team that has a buy now and over the past you know 10 or so years it has been almost predominantly the teams who end up having the buys in the playoffs that make it to the Super Bowl it's been so important for teams to get that buy so they don't have to play that extra game in the playoffs to end up going to the Super Bowl so now that you remove one of the bye weeks it, it just makes it not not more predictable but there, there's there's less randomness I think when you when you do all these simulations about how these playoffs w- would end up end up being it would almost always be the one seeds playing each other because they have the one advantage that no one else in the playoffs have right and and in terms of the playoff seeding situation I mean who who knows what that last team in is going to look like in terms of a record and quality and and all of that you know you mentioned the the likelihood of one seeds and and those getting home advantage throughout I mean I think that's exactly what I know that the 49ers this year had the home home advantage throughout I, I think the Chiefs did as well if I remember correctly but uh you know I mean that that plays a big factor in it aside from just overall talent. So, um, you know, I, some of these we've seen in years past, I remember a Rams team, I think it was with Sam Bradford. Um, you know, they were six, six, seven, and one and vying for a playoff spot, I think at one point. And, and, you know, I Mm -hmm. think Seattle a couple of years ago, they were like seven and nine or eight and eight and they made it in. So, I mean, you may get some of these lesser teams, um, not, you know, <laughs> you may get a team that sneaks in there that where, you, where you're kind of going, how'd they get in there? But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know you got to get going in a, in a minute here, John. I'll, 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 I'll just one more question, though. Let's sure. Go, like, yeah, like let's do it. Style. We had um, a comment from Chris Hubbard. Uh, what is your take on Fred Johnson as a start on the offensive line? And then we also had a comment about Jonah Williams. from Yeah, Dave Dave. yeah. yeah what are yeah. your thoughts on Jonah Williams, how he impacted the offensive line? I think both those guys bring something that they haven't had last year, and it's a degree of athleticism to allow them to implement the blocking schemes that they want. You, when you compare the athleticism of, you know, John Jerry, Cordy Glenn, and Bobby Hart to guys like Jonah Williams and Fred Johnson. It gives you a lot more versatility for what you can do from a run blocking stance. I think Fred did a lot in, in terms of uh, uh, blocking in space and pulling out uh, from into the second level. It also showed a degree of, of, of solidness and pass protection as well. 
And with, with Jonah, you would expect, you know, to, for him to be one of, one of your two best offensive linemen. But, you know, he has scheme versatility as well. He can implement a lot of – he can um, perform adequately in, in his own blocking scheme. But both those guys have natural athleticism that they haven't had at the tackle position in a while now. And I think if they both end up starting, it would add that degree of versatility that, that you can do in the running game. Yeah, and you can't overstate how important it is for coaches to have their guys or guys that fit their scheme or or just guys that they they can lean on and trust to do what they're asking them to do. And unfortunately, in a coaching overhaul, coaches sometimes get guys that aren't, you know, there were holdovers. They were leftovers from a previous regime. Maybe they're not part of their scheme. There's That's not to say that absolutely everything that Zach Taylor is running as, as an offense isn't any is, is completely different than the Marvin Lewis system. As you saw at the end of 2018, the Bengals were going to more of a zone blocking type of system. So, but you can't overstate the fact that Jonah Williams is a guy that they know and they coveted and they think can fit in their system. Fred Johnson, the same thing. And then kind of to piggyback on all of this and put a bow on the offensive line topic and really the listener questions episode, Robert Romine's asking about Cordy Glenn. Um, you know, why, why haven't the Bengals cut him? Cordy Glenn was an interesting guy because he was there for the Marvin Lewis era, but he was here also for the Taylor era. I mean, I, it's still early in terms of possibly releasing him and freeing up space. It, it, that depends maybe on what they're planning to do in free agency, but you know, maybe he is a guy that fits what they want to do. And that's they, maybe they, despite what we think we know, maybe they hang on to him and they won't need a, an, a another guard this year. Your, your, your thoughts on that. I mean, I, I don't think the timing really has any bearing necessarily on whether or not they're keeping him, but I guess Robert brings up a decent point that if other te- teams aren't, if other teams are unloading guys, why isn't Cordy Glenn kind of part of that? I, I don't fret it when it comes to the Bengals and rushing things because they never right. do. Like, right, like, right, like, right. like they're they're going to do things in their own time. Like it took it took them a few weeks to cut Vontaze Perfect last offseason when people were like, right. why aren't they releasing him? Like if 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 there's a move to be made that's obvious, they're going to end up doing it. It's just not going to be when you expect it. it they're going to take their time. They, they don't they they wait for nobody in that sense. Yep. And if there's one thing to expect with the Cordy Glenn situation and his relationship with the Bengals, it is to expect the unexpected because that career has also been, true. yeah, that career so far in Cincinnati has been uh, a little topsy turvy. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here, but we appreciate all of the questions. We appreciate you tuning in live. We'll be continuing to do these throughout the offseason, especially when free agency and the draft start nearing and or occurring. So keep it to CincyJungle.com for news, opinions, analysis, breaking news, and, of course, this show and other podcasts on the SB Nation uh, podcast channel that is Cincy Jungle's channel. So keep it to all the shows there, including ours. Subscribe to our channels and get alerted to when we take the air, bring you these types of episodes, our weekly episodes, interviews like John Sheeran just had with Austin Gale at PFF. So Subscribe to the channels, leave us a review, and keep those questions coming to us. Even though we did not get to yours today, keep those coming to us. We do sometimes hang on to those for the next listener questions, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Appreciate you tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you.